Hour two, the hour of chaos on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we'll look ahead to college football lines. We've got a couple of great guests, sports professor Rick Haro to talk the business side of the sports world, in addition to Ryan Williams from FanDuel to talk some more NFL. Right now, let's dive into the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup is starting tomorrow. Whistling Straits out in Wisconsin, a bunch of cheeseheads out there. And yeah, I actually mean it. There were a bunch of cheeseheads. There were all the golfers that had cheeseheads uh, on their head. And now, Ben, we start this event tomorrow. There are so many ways to bet it. We had on David Bierman of ESPN.com. We had Cam Rogers yesterday to tell us about how to bet this game. I want to hear how the PGA analyst, Ben, who a lot of people don't know, a lot of people don't know that when I was talking to Ben about two years ago that he leaves local news and he starts to do some PGA stuff. I mean, come on, Ben, you hide this under the rug. You know your stuff. I've been playing golf since a very young age. I know golf pretty well. I've been following golf for a long time. Like Ariel alluded to, I started working at Golf Magazine for a little bit all around golf and the golf content. I'm not quite a PGA Tour handicapper like ESPN.com's David Bierman or as knowledgeable even as our golf analyst in Cam Rogers. But what I will say and what is very interesting to me about this Ryder Cup is first the history that is on the line and then again the odds and the ways that you can bet this on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Let's start with the history. The United States roster is by far more talented top to bottom than Team Europe. By far. It's not even a competition when it comes to stacking up our 12 versus their 12. It doesn't matter if you are a captain's pick or an automatic qualifier. Team USA's roster is loaded. It's a dream team of sorts. That being said, Team Europe has dominated the Ryder Cup in recent history. They have won four of the last five Ryder Cups, seven of the last nine Ryder Cups. One of the last ones the United States won was in 2016 at Medina in Minnesota on American soil. That could be beneficial as you get to set up the course the way you want it as the home team. Of course, this one being on the banks of Lake Michigan in Kohler, Wisconsin at Whistling Straits sets up well for the Americans. But let's talk about the ways to bet this on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We got into this discussion a little bit yesterday with Cam Rogers because I think first and foremost, if you're a casual sports better, wants some skin in the game on the Ryder Cup this weekend, you'll go to the FanDuel Sportsbook and you'll look at the options presented to you before the matchups and the teams are named starting tomorrow morning. So when you look just outright, who is going to win the darn thing, Team USA or Team Europe, you will see two options that stand out to you, really three options, but let's focus on the two. You have the winner option, which is Team USA now even heavier favorites at minus 210. Europe at plus 240, a tie at plus 1100, 11 to 1. Or you could bet it from the outright draw no bet, where Team USA is minus 280 now, even longer odds, and Team Europe is plus 220. Let's talk about that draw. The last time there was a draw was in 1989 between Team Europe and Team USA at the Ryder Cup. This will be the 15th Ryder Cup since 1989. Draws are very infrequent here. I wouldn't necessarily put that into a part of this, although Team Europe does know that if they do tie and they do draw, they retain the cup, which might factor into the lift the trophy option. But when you're talking about value, 
I don't think the USA has great value at minus 210. I would not look there. But if you want to take the plucky underdogs in Team Europe, who have won four of the last five as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the morning after, our hour of chaos in hour number two, I am Ben Stevens. She is Ariel Epstein, and you are listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. The Ryder Cup in the Midwest in Wisconsin gets underway tomorrow between Team USA and Team Europe. And we're talking about the different ways to bet this and the value you might find. The Europeans have won four of the last five Ryder Cups. If you're looking for value, if you're looking to back the dog, just go to the outright draw no bet because you have Team Europe at plus 220. Excuse me, look at the other way. Look at the outright winner, Team Europe at plus 240. You have 20 cents better of value than the outright draw no bet at plus 220. It's the same way even if you want to back Team USA, who's minus 210 as opposed to minus 280 with the outright no draw. The draw is in there to take away a little bit of value there. But again, we've had one draw in the last 14 Ryder Cups. In 1989 was the last time it happened. So I don't really think the draw is at play here. You can find better value just by looking at the outright no draw option if you want to go in that way and try to find your plus money. There's just so many ways to play this, and you know that FanDuel is going to give you so many options, especially after today. We're probably going to see a lot more of these options pop up. There are even some daily winners now that you could go bet on on the FanDuel Sportsbook, where you can bet on Ryder Cup Day 1, Ryder Cup Day 2, Ryder Cup Day 3. Ben, how do you separate the three different days into figuring out who's going to be the winner of each separate day? Why would there be a different one? Ariel, you make a very astute point right there. Later today, we will get the matchups. Who is playing who? What are the team pairings for each side as we get ready for the first foursome match, which is alternate shot tomorrow morning on Friday? That's why it's so different. Both Friday and Saturday have two sessions, a morning session and an afternoon session. The morning session is foursome, which means alternate shot. The afternoon session is four ball. Each individual player plays their own ball, and you take the best score on the whole. That is why things can vary so differently between a session and a morning and an afternoon versus on a daily basis as well. So you can have alternate winners. It's a great live betting scenario to even look from a match bet perspective if you want to just take one American pairing versus one European pairing. And then, of course, Sunday is the individual matchups, 1v1, all 12 on Sunday as well. Coming up next, we play our favorite game. Where is the sports professor Ricardo today? Stay on the grid to find out. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Coming after on Sports Grid, it is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us now, the sports professor, Rick Haro. Rick, every week you come on the show, we have someone who sets the lines, and it's our former intern, now backup producer, Jack Weinberger, who sets the lines for where you are. Now, the problem is he's off today, so we asked him to set the line. He had no idea what your background looked like, so he completely got it wrong. Losing week for the books. He booked you at home, minus 125 for this week. Er, wrong answer. Restaurant or pub was plus 145. Golf course, plus 210. 
Other plus two fifty Grand Canyon eleven or no yeah eleven to one for the Grand Canyon. Not sure why Grand not Canyon far. was on there. That was, but he's, you're not far from there. Where are you? Well, I'm only two and a half inches on a very small map. Uh, and by the way, there's no golf in the Grand Canyon. So what would I be doing there, Ryder Cup week? I'm on the west coast of Oregon. I'll give you a plug because it's an amazing place called Bandon Dunes. Ben knows it. Uh, there are five courses here. There's a new one they call Sheep's Ranch. You can literally lose yourself out here. And it's great because you can hit the ball way wide. That's why pro athletes love this place. And you don't lose the ball. If you lose a ball, it's in the Pacific. And you're not looking for it. So they're very quick rounds. Bandon Dunes. Hmm. Well, where are you exactly? Because I don't see a golf course. Oh, uh, yeah. Th this Well, it's 7 o'clock. It, it's just barely light out here, and it's 48 mm -hmm. degrees out here. So I'm finished banding dunes. I'm driving down to a golf course called Maakama, which is really nice. I'm going to take the 101. I'm going to stop and take a lot of pictures and, and listen to you guys on Satellite uh, 204. So you better be good. Oh, Rick, we will be good. That is our guarantee to you. A huge golf <laughs> event, right. not out on the West Coast this weekend, but in the Midwest portion of the country, also on the lakes of a major body water of Lake Michigan out there in Kohler, Wisconsin at Whistling Straits. The Ryder Cup, Rick, is a golf event that is unlike really any other. It is spirited. It is raucous. The environment with the fans, it's more like a party atmosphere than a normal golf event. What does the Ryder Cup look like from a revenue perspective, both TV and gate sales, when you can really pack the place? Absolutely, totally huge. You know, Golf Channel and NBC are coming out hot on this one because this is effectively the 2020 Ryder Cup. And just like with the Olympics, you got to recapture some lost revenue. And the world of golf and therefore the world of corporate sponsorship is back activated. Corporations are spending a lot of money to do this. They can actually go to this event. Crowds are going to be back to normal. And hotels in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, by the way, which used to be $400 a weekend, are now about $1,200 with a three-night minimum. And for some reason, they didn't improve them three times more than when they charged. So who knows? It's a major event, as we know. And for those of us who are just modest golfers, not me, not you, Ben, but others, you explained the format of the Ryder Cup very well. It's an event where people don't have to enjoy the golf to enjoy the Ryder Cup. They enjoy the camaraderie. They enjoy Brooks Kepka and, uh, and uh, uh, anybody else getting into a cage match. You know, they enjoy people throwing stuff at each other. They enjoy the cheeseheads coming out yesterday, or as you pointed out. It is a big deal. Ratings will be great. I'm just hoping it's fairly close. Sports professor Ricardo here on the morning after. Now, speaking of camaraderie, what better better way to do it than with a couple of brothers? And you've got the Manning brothers who are on ESPN2 doing Monday Night Football as a second screening experience aside for just the main ESPN experience on Monday nights. The, the ratings came out, and there was a jump in the ratings, actually, for the Manning cast. It's now up to just under 2 million viewers on Monday night, whereas the main broadcast gets just under 14 million viewers. However, from your business perspective, how much have you seen based on the, the reviews and people on social media and the ratings going up? How much success do you believe this Manning broadcast is really having? Well, I think it's having a lot of broadcast success, notwithstanding the inflated NFL uh, promotion numbers and ESPN behind it. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they made up the numbers. It just means that at the beginning of the year, everybody's excited about that stuff. Watching the Mannings as a comedy duo the humor is dry. It's wonderful. 
Russell Wilson and others will join to add some intrigue to it. One of the things I found out driving down here is it's a great second screen experience, screen experience but you can't uh, follow the game if you only have it on radio. That's not their job. Their job is to talk color and analytics while you're watching another screen. And what that does for NBC, ABC, ESPN, and everybody else who follows, it gives people the idea that if you have a great second screen experience, people will actually leave the primary screen to watch. So obviously the advice is don't get enamored with watching those two dudes for four hours. Go back and forth. Absolutely, Rick. I thought the same thing. I've loved the Manning cast, but at times a little bit hard to follow the game. When they got to the first half, I was like, oh, whoa, we're already done with the first half. That's kind of crazy. I will say a great second screen experience, but the premier second screen experience on Monday night and weeknights throughout the college or the NFL football season in game live with our man, Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician. Now, Rick, moving from the NFL to college football. <laughs> All the talks all summer long was about the 12-team expanded CFP seemingly on the horizon, maybe instituted by the 2023 season. Well, with some of the conference realignment, Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, the alliance between the Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC, that has been put on pause for the moment. The CFP Board of Managers meeting this week in Chicago, but no vote on expansion is going to happen. So what does the new timeline, if there is any timeline, look for an expanded college football playoff? College executives do what they do best, punt. And one of the things that they did was to say, look, we're going to do this. We philosophically committed to doing it. It's not a question of if, but when. They're not going to be the first ones out on the timetable. I think what they're going to do is let all of the dust settle, all the big, the, uh, the American Athletic to the Big 12, uh, the Oklahoma-Texas buyout. When does that start? Uh, and when do they start their, 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 their seasons? We all have a lot of uncertainty. And obviously, you have the prospect of, of, of more playoff spots and fewer champions. You know, might be the SEC against the champion from a super-duper conference called Super Duper Conference and, and have everybody else play. Uh, that won't happen. But I think if I'm the, the uh, playoff organizers, I would do exactly what they're doing, which is commit to this, but wait until all the other ducks uh, fall in a row. And here in Oregon, I wanted to use at least one duck analogy. How's that? Quack, quack. Good. I do appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate you sliding <laughs> yeah, sure. that in there. I appreciate yeah. that. I, I do want to move to the other side of the pond. Haha. <laughs> See, did I, did I work? I, I don't think that was really right. good. I tried. No, but don't I, I don't go really haha. Let, let us that figure that it out right. ourselves. All right. Well, I, I'm going to move over to we, soccer. That's the point I'm getting at. We're moving over oh, to soccer. Okay. I did see Just that you posted right. on your Twitter at Rick Haro. You were able to show us that there are some negotiations going on about Premier League actually doing some kind of streaming service. Mm -hmm. They're going to get a streaming deal worth more than double of what La Liga is doing. What do you see coming up in these developments in the next few weeks? Well, you know, the NBC folks are, are, are uh, they, uh, they, uh, uh, are owed a significant debt of gratitude from the Premier League to basically bring it here and make it a weekend morning must watch. Well, yeah, but that's a $150 million contract. That was a lot when you thought about it. Now, La Liga gets $175 million. The streaming services are prolific. NBC wakes up with their Peacock brand competing against uh, the uh, Paramounts and, and the ESPN Disney streaming services and Time Warner and others. So, the rights are going to go up maybe a billion, maybe two billion. Listen, the Premier League doesn't necessarily like 
the streaming services, but they sure like the money. Yeah, money talks. Money always talks. And Ricardo always trying to show you how to get that money, especially from more of the corporate side of things, not really telling the betters out there how to get some money the way we are. But, Rick, maybe next time. Maybe next time you'll be able to do that. Ricardo, sports professor, thank you so much. And hopefully you can make yourself some money and go get sponsored or something when you're out there playing some golf. I'm excited about the pond analogy. I'm going to start using it all day. That was really good. Bye. Ponds, ducks, quack, uh, quack. I think that you duck. should hit your golf ball and quack while you do it while you're out there. See you again soon, Rick. Wow. Coming up next, we are going to talk some college football. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're back on the morning after on Sports Grid. It is Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to check us out on social media. Go to Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV. You always get the edge. You'll be able to get anything that you may have missed from the show, early leans, and best bets of the day. Now let's jump into college football where Big Ten Ben is going to put on his hat. And not because it's really that we're talking all Big Ten. We've got one team in here. However, I do want to mention that he knows a lot more about college football than just the Big Ten that he brands himself on. Let's start with Wisconsin. Wisconsin taking on Notre Dame. How come this could be a good spot for a certain player? This is a very, very interesting game. Let's start with the narrative overall. The Jack Cohn revenge game. The starting quarterback for Notre Dame, a grad transfer from Wisconsin. He spent three years in Madison, Wisconsin, was the starter for about a year and a half, was going to be the starter heading into 2020 last season before injuring his foot during fall camp. They put in the young redshirt freshman Graham Mertz, Jack Cohn on the bench, and he then transfers to South Bend. So this game has been circled by Wisconsin and Notre Dame fans alike because it's the Jack Cohn revenge game. It is also being played in Chicago at Soldier Field. Both schools have very heavy alumni bases in the city of Chicago in the greater surrounding areas, Notre Dame and Wisconsin. It is going to be an incredible environment at noon Eastern on Saturday at Soldier Field. Speaking of my Big Ten hat, I will be wearing it all weekend long, including Sunday when Justin Fields makes his first start for the Chicago Bears. But Ariel, this is a very intriguing line to me because when it opened up earlier this week on Sunday night, Wisconsin was laying five and a half points. I thought to myself, the Badgers laying five and a half? So far this year, Wisconsin's one and one. They did not look good against Penn State. Sure, they beat Eastern Michigan, but laying five and a half in a neutral site game against the Notre Dame team that, although they have looked shaky as well, still a perfect 3-0, and ranked 12th in the country, and coming off a pretty decisive win over Purdue, another Big Ten opponent last week in South Bend. 
It was an interesting number. In fact, it has moved even past that. Wisconsin currently a six and a half point favorite on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The total is what you could expect for a Big Ten game at 46 and a half points. Now let's talk about Jack Cohen facing his former team in the Wisconsin Badgers. So far for Notre Dame has been decent. A 63.3% completion percentage, 276 yards average per game, and eight touchdowns to only two interception. But here's the thing, Ariel. He has been sacked. 14 times in just three games 14 times he has been sacked in three games so far this year for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish four against Florida State six against Toledo four last week at home against the Purdue Boilermakers now here's where I'm starting to talk myself into taking Wisconsin even maybe laying that number and I'm a little bit concerned by that I think honestly if Wisconsin can dominate the game flow which I think they might be able to and the time of possession this naturally leads to an under Wisconsin both of their games have gone under this year Notre Dame two of their three have actually gone over but not by a large margin because here's why Notre Dame only is averaging 36 rushing yards per game that's 66th in the country so far this year just shy of 106 rushing yards per game. Wisconsin has the best rushing defense in the Big Ten, the second best rushing defense in all of the country, only allowing their opponents to rush for an average of 39.5 yards per game. Meanwhile, Notre Dame is allowing their opponents to run for nearly 150 yards per game on the ground. Wisconsin is averaging 266 rushing yards per game and on 56 and a half rushing attempts per game, meaning Wisconsin is continuing to do what Wisconsin always does. That is establish the run, the credo to live by in the Big Ten Conference, and they're doing it really, really well so far this year. So. I think if Wisconsin controls time of possession and the game flow and Ches Malusi, the transfer from Clemson and that Wisconsin backfield is good and Graham Mertz does not turn the ball over against a good Notre Dame defense who is allowing only or an average of 150 rushing yards per game. I'm talking to myself more and more that Wisconsin should be the favorite, even at six and a half. You're getting them inside a touchdown. I feel weird saying that because earlier this week, I thought Wisconsin was laying too big of a number. And now I think six and a half is pretty good on the Badgers. I'm not entirely sure how to feel about the Jack Cohn revenge game. I think I would look the total before I look aside on Saturday in Chicago. Now let's take a look at this conference matchup because you've got the SEC in action going head-to-head. -head. You've got Texas A&M facing off with Arkansas. This is a three-and-a-half-point spread, and Texas A&M is laying the three-and-a-half on the road at Arkansas. Arkansas is a team that has been close in games. They're both undefeated, both these teams. How come you believe the book is still sleeping on Arkansas, especially playing at home? I don't know. I don't know. Fayetteville is a tough place to play. Texas went in there and got whooped. Week number two, what well, Sam Pittman is doing for Arkansas right now, the Razorbacks head coach, he's an offensive line coach by trade. All five of his big hog mollies back up front this year for Arkansas, and they are running the football to a T. They are looking so good. You see that total 46 and a half I just mentioned. It's like a big 10 total. It's the same total for Wisconsin and Notre Dame, and that's because of the pace of play. Much like I think the matchup really favors Wisconsin against Notre Dame, I think the matchup here really favors Arkansas against Texas A&M, and they are the road underdog. I think we might be in a spot for a money line sprinkle on the Hogs this week, Ariel, at plus 164, because again, let's look at this. Texas A&M has the best scoring defense in the country, and that's great, and that's why you see the total at 46 and a half. They're only allowing 5.7 points per game to their opponents. Give credit to the Aggies' defense. They have been great this year, but Arkansas's defense under Barry Odom has also been good, only allowing their opponents to rack up 16 points per game. 
All three of Arkansas's games, though, have gone to the over. Why is that? When their defense has been so good, only allowing 16 points to their opponents, well, it's because their offense is moving the football in such a way, mainly establishing that run. It has led to 41 points per game for the Arkansas Razorbacks. And let's look at that ground game that Arkansas has right now because when you look at what Arkansas is doing, they have the 11th best scoring offense in the country, like I mentioned, the 6th best rushing offense in the country at more than 282 rushing yards per game. Meanwhile, A&M, despite a really good scoring defense, is allowing 162 rushing yards per game to their opponents. I think if Arkansas can dominate time of possession, again, it's a very similar handicap to Notre Dame and Wisconsin because the matchup so fa favorably is in the favor of Wisconsin in that ground game. I feel the same way against Arkansas and Texas A&M this weekend. If Arkansas at home establishes a run and runs over a Texas A&M defense that is allowing more than 160 rushing yards per game, plus three and a half, sure, take the home dog. Sprinkle on that money line at plus 164 as well. Arkansas, 3-0 this year. Texas A&M, 3-0 this year. But Arkansas is 3-0 against the spread. I like Arkansas right here, not just even against the spread, with a money line sprinkle at home in Fayetteville on Saturday at plus 164. Oh, I like it. I like it. Okay, now one more. One more big matchup. This one is between two teams in a conference rivalry also. Big 12 matchup. You've got Oklahoma up against West Virginia. West Virginia 2-1 and one this year. Oklahoma still undefeated. However, not looking as dominant. Oklahoma not necessarily blowing teams out. However... It is a 17-and-a-half-point spread for Oklahoma at home against West Virginia. How much is too much, Ben, when talking about taking or laying points? This number is much bigger than I expected, and Oklahoma is ranked fourth in the country. They are a perfect 3-0 and so far this year, but they are just 1-2 and against the spread. Those two losses against the spread coming against their best opponents in that opener against Tulane, and then last week as 22-and-a-half-point favorites, against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. That was far too big of a number. Nebraska only losing by a single score. So when you see a 17 and a half against the West Virginia team, that is two and one so far this year. They just beat Virginia Tech at home in Morgantown a week ago. Virginia Tech came in ranked 15th in the country. Again, I'm not entirely sure why that number is so big. They lost a close game to Maryland in their season, in their week one opener. I think West Virginia can cover this number of 17 and a half that against an Oklahoma team that has struggled to cover big numbers this year is just too big. And again, it's a matchup perspective here. Letty Brown for the West Virginia Mountaineers, 19 carries, 161 yards in a touchdown last week against a good Vautech defense. He has five rushing touchdowns this year, also nearly 100 receiving yards this season as well. We talked about Oklahoma not covering. They're one and two against the spread. They're also not covering by nearly six points on average per game the key matchup here Oklahoma's linebacker Nick Benito against Letty Brown and that rushing offense for the West Virginia Mountaineers Oklahoma 68th in total defense this year allowing nearly 390 yards to their opponents per game West Virginia's defense hasn't been great either out, uh, allowing over 411 yards per game to their opponent so I think Oklahoma will be able to put up points against this West Virginia defense, and that's where Oklahoma shines, right, with Spencer Rattler, who also has not looked all that great this year. This is a big spot in primetime in Norman for Spencer Rattler to right the ship. I would actually look at his 25-1 to Heisman odds right now as value for the preseason favorite once again. But I think Letty Brown and that West Virginia offense can keep this game close. I think 17.5 is way too big of a number on Oklahoma right now. I think West Virginia, they don't win the game outright in Norman, but they can certainly cover that big number of 17 and a half. 
You read my mind. That's exactly where my brain was going, was to look at those Heisman odds. Spencer Rattler was the favorite. Going into the season, he had the shortest odds on the board. Those odds have now shifted tremendously against him. 23 to 1. Third best odds on the board. However, 23 to run. To one, that's a long shot. You've got two other you've got two other quarterbacks there. You've got Matt Corral at plus one fifty and Bryce Young at three to one. Ben, when looking at this market, how much value do you still see in the Heisman race since it's still so early into the season? Certainly so. If Spencer Rattler is at the helm of an undefeated Oklahoma offense that wins a Big 12 championship game and gets to the college football playoff at plus six fifty prior to the year, no. At twenty three to one right now, yeah. He can put up those numbers. You can look at JT Daniels the same way. There are value on the preseason favorites once again. Next week, Matt Corral, Bryce Young, a matchup between Ole Miss and Alabama. That might be an early indication of who wins the Heisman. I love it. That race is going to be fun to track. Probably going to snapshot those odds, honestly, right now, because I just feel a lot of overreactions in the odds, yet a lot can change in the next few weeks. Coming up next, we're going to welcome FanDuel's Ryan Williams, talk NFL and some props. Stay on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Could the AL East here, can they get four teams into the postseason? Because the Red Sox with that game and a half lead here in the wild card up on Toronto. Then Toronto has just a half game lead now over the New York Yankees. Oakland, you know, going to have to jump, obviously, the Yankees or the, the Toronto Blue Jays to get in. Same thing with the Seattle Mariners. But when you do play the Seattle Mariners and the Oakland Athletics head to head, it's a de facto, you know, cancellation of a series. So if you're the Yankees or the Toronto Blue Jays, you like the fact you don't want one team to sweep in there. Just want each team to beat each other and not really gain much ground. But it's interesting to see here the AL East being Kings because Toronto already stamping their ticket into the postseason. But now you look at a legitimate chance here to get two more teams Weekdays in. 7 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Sports Grid Network. on the morning after on sports grid it is sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein joining us now from FanDuel, it is ryan williams we're going to break down the upcoming nfl week three slate we're going to go through some props as well ryan just on a macro scale what have you taken away from the first two weeks that has potentially altered your handicap going into week three Oh, boy. Um, we, we got a lot to digest. I mean, Ariel, you know, the big thing I think right now is just uh, you're starting to see the, the teams come to light and what they want to do, and the injuries are kind of affecting that. I mean, the quarterback injuries are just all over the board here. I mean, we'll talk about the Houston Texans, but they've kind of surprised some people in their start with the one-and-one. One. Tyrod Taylor was looking, you know, that he could – 
keep them afloat, right? And then you got Tua getting hurt, Ben Roethlisberger's hurt. So this quarterback field has really, it's really going to start to shape some of these lines, I feel like. And we'll see it in week three with a lot of quarterbacks being injured or hurt or dealing teams dealing with injuries across the board. That's really going to help us to shape some of these lines or shape some of my lines as I'm starting to handicap some of these teams because we're starting to see them come to fruition. In week three, Ryan gets underway tonight. Thursday night football. How do you like it? Two teams that are perfect against the spread this year in the Houston Texans and the Carolina Panthers. One of those teams will have to lose against the spread tonight. The Panthers, a seven and a half point favorite. I think it's a little difficult to pick a side tonight. So let's focus on the props. The first prop that you're looking at is one that I absolutely love on Carolina's side. DJ Moore over his receptions prop of five and a half. Ryan, why is it plus money to the over? I love it so much. <laughs> you got to You got to gobble it up while, while it's there. I mean, th- this guy has, uh, he's been awesome for Sam Darnold. You can tell that Sam Darnold's leaning on him. This guy's got a 26% team target share. I mean, he's, he's hit this over in both of the games so far this year uh, pretty easily. So I think that, you know, we definitely need to be getting this up. And and the Houston Texans defense, you know, has not looked like they could stop really anybody, but especially, you know, these guys who have low A dots, I think, DJ Moore comes in right under 10 yards so he's going to be gobbling up all the things across the middle of the field and they're dealing with secondary injuries. I loved getting this prop there over five and a half for DJ Moore's receptions. Oh, okay. I like it. I know that Ben and I are both saying that we like a lot of different receivers props and different props on the Carolina Panthers side tonight. Let's go into the other side. You like David Johnson over two and a half receptions plus 120. Why? Yeah, so plus 120 here with David Johnson, I get it. It's a three-headed backfield there for Houston, but I think that the game script tonight should be in favor of getting the ball out of Davis Mills' hands as quickly as possible. This this, uh, front seven for Carolina has been stout. This defense as a whole has just really surprised a lot of people across the industry, myself included. And so when you're looking at this and seeing they're not going to be able to run the ball, so I think that Mark Ingram is going to be a non-factor. Philip Lindsay probably a little bit of a non-factor unless he goes out there and catches passes. But you do have a pass catching back in David Johnson. He had two receptions last week with David Mills, who came in for the injured Tyra Taylor. And I think that everything's just going to be right around the line of scrimmage. So I like taking advantage of this line that David Johnson should hit of over two and a half receptions. Yeah, Ryan, you mentioned that Carolina defense, the best scoring defense so far in the NFL through two weeks. Also the best rushing defense in the NFL through two weeks, allowing 46 and a half rushing yards per game to their opponents. I agree. They could also get after Davis Mills. Carolina, 10 sacks so far this season. So get the ball out of the rookie QB's hands quickly. I think that might be a recipe for Houston to try to move the football tonight. Your final prop is one that I love because not only do we have Sam Darnold, we have Dan Arnold in this game tonight. And you like his anytime touchdown price. I love it (laughs) all so much. All the names and the funds that we can play. Why are you taking a flyer on Dan Arnold tonight for an anytime TD? Listen, we you know we coming on the morning after we gotta we gotta bring that fire here. I mean we're we're dealing with Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein, you know the 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 prop king and queen. So I had to come with the heat. I listen. I have money on Dan Arnold to score the first touchdown in this game. 
I couldn't, oh I couldn't come on here and, and necessarily talk about that. But let's just say anytime touchdown, right? So we're talking about the Houston Texans D. They have been giving up points in bunches to uh, opposing tight ends. I think they've given up the second most uh, receptions and yards to opposing tight ends um, in the first two games that they faced. And then you're looking at Dan Arnold, and he's kind of really taken that job from Ian Thomas, who, who's on the team. And I expect him to go out here and be able to ball. And if they get into the red zone, I could see him pulling down one. So anytime touchdown for Dan Arnold, let's get it tonight. Hey, Arnold, like like Ariel said. <laughs> That's when he scores and go, hey, Arnold. Yeah, great, great show. <laughs> let's move into the rest of the games on the slate. You've got a few sides that you're targeting when it comes to week three on Sunday. Let's start with New England and New Orleans. You're looking at the under 41 and a half on the total. Why are you going under here? Yeah, it just it just screams under to me when you're talking about uh, these two teams that are going to be going against each other. Um, you know, the the defense really for the Patriots has just looked stout. I mean, they are going to be able um, to get whatever they want basically in this game, and it's going to be a slow pace moving game on both sides. That so you can tell that. The Patriots side of things, they don't want Mac Jones to go out there and make mistakes. This will be a grinded out type of control type of game. And that's why I really am coming in on the under in this game. It just it just feels right. And it seems like there's going to be a, a, a hard time for the Saints to get anything going when Bill Belichick takes away the best thing that the team wants to do. And that's going to be Alvin Kamara. And he's had a rough start to the beginning of this season. I, I think it's a field day for the Patriots D with Jameis, and I like the under here. It'll be a slow-paced game, I believe. One of the lowest totals on the board of all this week three NFL slate, and yet it still begs you to take an under. We're looking to an over in a game between the Atlanta Falcons and the New York Giants. That total right now on FanDuel, 47 and a half. Two winless teams here, Ryan, but you're expecting a lot of offense on Sunday. What leads you to the over? Yeah, well, the 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 thing about this game, Ben, is like the offenses really don't scream off of the page, right? But I think it's the defensive side of the ball when you're looking at the Giants just coming off of that brutal loss to the Washington football team and giving up those points to Taylor Heineke. And this is really like the Falcons have to come out here and show that they actually are – that Arthur Smith is their guy, that it, they were right in – trusting Matt Ryan and not taking a rookie quarterback of the future because they got a lot to prove here. So I think that if Atlanta can kind of push the tempo here, I think you'll see that Danny Dimes on the other side will try and right the ship. They'll get Saquon Barkley going. And I think that this might start slow. The first half might be a little slow. We might see a little bit of turnovers, but then come down to the second half. I think both of these teams will look to be aggressive, look to get a win and try and put points on the board. And I just think that if this were later on in the season, we might be getting a higher number on this total than 47 and a half. Handles Ryan Williams here talking NFL week three slate, diving into this Sunday game for Philadelphia. Philadelphia in a com in a division rivalry game against Dallas. It's a primetime game. You like Philly at plus three and a half. This line did move in your favor because it was Philly plus four and a half for some time. Now that it's gone in Philly's favor, you're still looking to take the points. How come you believe the Eagles not only are going to cover this spread, but that the book agrees with you and the line has moved in your favor? 
Yeah, well, the, the line moving in your favor. Listen, if you got that four and a half, shout out to you. I mean, that was, that was just great. I've, I've always been taking the side of plus money against this Dallas Cowboys team. And I think a lot of it might be fool's gold. We just saw them, you know, in a tough kind of competitive grinded out game against the Chargers, squeaking out that win with the field goal. And the, the Eagles on the flip hand, they on the flip side, they just were dealing with San Francisco. So I think that this being a divisional matchup, the Eagles have pretty much had success against the, the Dallas Cowboys over some time and I do think that they're hungry to kind of win this division and kind of you know right the ship with Jalen Hurts being there so I think that this is shaping up in a way for the Eagles to at least be able to cover in this situation here might maybe not outright win but getting that three and a half it could be a field goal game and I'm willing to take those points the hook giveth and the hook taketh to have the hook on your side past that key number of three. I like the spot there, Ryan Williams, as well. You also mentioned the NFC East division. Of course, we affectionately know it as the NFC least. And prior to the season, <laughs> all four teams in this division had a plus money price next to their team name. Now, after two weeks, the Dallas Cowboys are the odds on favorite at minus 140. But you not only like the Eagles on Monday night. You like them in the division with a pretty juicy plus money price. Why are you back in Philly? We, I'd been talking about this all offseason. I just felt like the Philly, the Philly nation was getting disrespected across the board. And I think that it's really going to be interesting here. Like if Philly edges out a win uh, in week three against Dallas, like this, this number is going to move dramatically because they're going to be able to control the division at least for, for the time being. And so most of the NFC uh, East or least they're going to be facing off each other towards the end of the year. So as long as Philly can kind of keep afloat, I think that this is probably the best number that we're going to get on them. I've been talking about them all off season long. This defense looks out. I think they do trust Jalen hurts the Joe Flacco narrative. That's long come and gone. Uh, this guy's controlling this team. I even like Jalen hurts getting uh, getting some MVP action on him. Um, because I think Philly goes the way that he goes. So I think this plus, you know, 400 number, four to one odds for them to win the division in, in a division that's going to be competitive. I'm willing to still take that price. Yeah, last year, if you were to just bet everybody in the NFC East, at some point you would have the one with the longest odds be a favorite. It just happened in all <laughs> four situations. Ryan, I'm also looking at this line flip that happened on Sunday. It's a four o'clock game. It's probably going to be the primetime game. It's Tampa Bay and L.A. The Bucks have their first road game. They're going to L.A. They're facing the Rams. This line flipped where the Rams were favored at minus one and a half. Now they're home dogs at plus one and a half. How much is this line flip warranted? I don't think it's I don't think it's that warranted. I mean, getting plus money on Tampa Bay, considering the run that they've been on since Tom Brady has joined them was just incredible. So I was loving getting that line, any plus money bet that I could get on Tampa Bay. I do think that this being on the road will be a true test to them. You know, they kind of really the defense bailed them out late in that game against Atlanta last week, getting those two pick sixes against Matt Ryan and, and really not giving them a chance to breathe. So I will be interested to see kind of what Matt Stafford can do. I think the over under it's 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 well over 50 in this game. I do like taking that because they're just they're going to abandon the run in L.A. They're going to let Matt, they're going to let uh, Matthew Stafford uh, air it out. And then we know on the other side that Tampa Bay, you know, Tom Brady, he's going for this this touchdown record. We thought he might be able to break it in New England in week four. He might be breaking it this week in L.A. So, uh, you know, the line it might not make people feel uncomfortable. And if it doesn't, I'd take the over under. But I still like Tampa in this game, even at minus one and a half with the flip um, because it is Tampa Bay.
Yeah, Ryan, that total 55 and a half tied for the largest total of the entire NFL Week 3 slate. Come on now. You know what we need to talk about. Quarterback one in Chicago, Illinois. It is Justin Fields, the starter for the Bears this week. Chicago, a seven-point road underdog visiting Cleveland. Ryan, in your mind, what's the outlook like for the rookie quarterback, Justin Fields? The outlook, Ben, is going to be that they need to scheme this offense in a way and, you know, bear with us because it is Matt Nagy and we never know what we're going to get. This guy wouldn't even, you know, only reason he named him the starter was because the quarterbacks talked to the media on Wednesday and I don't think they were willing to to go into the week with question marks. But I do think that this will be an interesting test. We just saw Tyrod Taylor. Um have some success against this defense that you know I was high on the Cleveland defense and they just haven't looked like they had the pieces together so if he's able to kind of scramble keep the offense moving um, I think they are dealing with a couple injuries as well on the Cleveland side of things so I'd be willing to kind of take a shot um, on the points there for Chicago with Justin Fields being at the helm I think that will rejuvenate the team I think it will rejuvenate the defense um, on their side of the ball if they could you know be staying off of the field we have to get to break but make sure to catch Ryan Williams at Ryan Alexander underscore W thank you so much good luck to your bets this weekend see you next week sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Closing out hour two on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get now to our segment, Guess the Line. The Carolina Panthers' odds to make the playoffs are currently yes at plus 128. No, at minus 156. With the Panthers as seven and a half point road favorites at the Houston Texans tonight, Ben, if the Panthers win tonight, guess the line for their make the playoff odds. So, Ariel, throughout this NFL season, we have seen that based on recency bias, especially on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the make-miss playoff odds and team win totals have fluctuated the most. Maybe not their odds to win a division or a conference, but specifically to make the playoffs and their team win total, they have gotten shorter or longer depending on performances. I think if the Panthers win tonight, look impressive in Thursday night football on the road with Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey and that Panthers defense stepping up once again, I think we're going to see these odds get very, very close to minus money. Very close. I'm still going to put them slightly in plus money at like plus 104. But if they were minus 106, minus 110 to the yes to make the playoffs, if they start off 3-0 and with a victory over Houston tonight on Thursday night football, I would not be surprised. These odds will get a lot shorter. I'm going to say plus 104. But if they're minus 106 or minus 110 come tomorrow morning, I will not be surprised. Won't be surprising. However, I hate overreacting to these games against bad teams. Now, if this was with 
to Rod Taylor, it's a different story. However, against the Houston team with a quarterback that may not be able to stay on the field, in addition to that leading to a defense that doesn't potentially stay uh, in full strength because they may be a little tired, uh, we'll have to see how the game plays out. If it's a hard-fought game, then you start to question, hmm, are the Panthers really that good? And if they blow them out, well, at least then hopefully if they cover the spread, you could think, okay, at least they won a game they should have. Coming up next, it is hour number three of our show. We're going to talk some Major League Baseball. We've got picks to give out. We're also going to talk Thursday night football. Prime time props. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204. Dispensing little pearls of sports strategy wisdom like gumballs from the machine where your